Grace, mercy, and peace be to you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Brothers and sisters in Christ, imagine for a moment if you were one of the crowd in Jesus' day. Kind of like, you know, a deadhead following the itinerant preacher around as he made his teaching stops in the different cities. This particular day, you're out with, I don't know, a thousand or so other people waiting to hear what Jesus is going to say next. You're on the beach, warm sand is on your feet. It's a great location to hear a message. And Jesus is just off the shore in a boat. His disciples are sitting there with him. And as Jesus sits down to teach, the crowd goes quiet to hear what he has to say. And then in a voice that all could hear, Jesus said, A sower went out to sow. As he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, and since they had no depth of soil, but when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seed fell on good soil and produced grain. Some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And you on the beach say, wow, what a powerful story. And you're looking around at others in the crowd, and you see the guy next to you, and he gives you one of these. What does that mean? What does that mean? What does this parable of the sower mean indeed? I mean, that's what the disciples wanted to know, those who were sitting in the boat with Jesus. In particular, they wanted to know why Jesus was teaching in this particular way now. They had been accustomed to his simple and yet direct way of proclaiming that the kingdom of God has come in the person and the, in the work of Jesus. So why change the teaching? In the text that we don't have uh, in our bulletins today, he gives this response to the disciples. To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he who has an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear. Nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. And with their eyes they can barely hear, and their eyes they have been closed. Lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, repent, and I will heal them. And then to the disciples, Jesus says, But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for you hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. And same to you, dear disciples of Jesus. These words are for you. But we still ask the question, what does this mean? Is Jesus teaching in these parables, is this designed to reveal something to those who hear? Or is it meant to hide something from those who hear? 
And as often is the case, the answer is yes. And you have to understand why the disciples were asking the question of why are you now teaching in par parables? And it has to do with com what comes before our reading. It's from the time of Jesus' baptism until now in the Gospel of Matthew that Jesus has been announcing that the kingdom of God, the rule, the reign of the Messiah is at hand, meaning the promise of God to rule in, uh, in his anointed one has finally come. It's finally come in the person and the work of Jesus. He is the king. And one would come into the kingdom under his rule and reign by responding with repentance of our sins and faith in Jesus for God's forgiveness. Now John was in the desert. He was announcing this. Now Jesus was demonstrating that God had come to dwell with his people when he healed the sick, when he drove out the demons, when he fed the, the, the people of the crowds. Generally speaking, they liked what Jesus was doing. They loved what Jesus was saying. They wanted to follow after him and be part of what was, what was uh, uh, going on in front of them. They knew something was different about Jesus. But they didn't all trust that he was the king. They didn't all trust that he was the savior. They didn't trust that he was come for their salvation, the Messiah. He tickled their fancy. They knew that there was something different about this guy from Nazareth whose parents and brothers and sisters they thought they knew. But see, when Jesus started talking about things uh, concerning the Sabbath, starting in chapter 11, the religious leaders of the people took note. Now, we all know that one way to upset a group of people is to challenge what they hold sacred, right? Imagine someone suggesting that we celebrate Christmas Eve service here without singing Silent Night with candles. Not that we're suggesting that. Challenging what the religious leaders held sacred is what Jesus did when he reclaimed and sanctified the Sabbath and, and restructured it to restore God's intent for it. He was restoring this proper view of why God instituted the Sabbath, but the religious leaders, they didn't want to hear it. In fact, they wanted to put an end to these alleged blasphemies and apparent sacrilegious teachings. They rejected Jesus and they sought to seek him permanently, or silence him permanently. So instead of plugging along with the direct and the simple teachings of the reign of God in Christ in, 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 in Jesus, or instead of abandoning his sacred mission altogether, Jesus shifts his preaching tactics. He is still announcing the kingdom and the rule and reign of God, but instead of a full frontal assault, he comes in by the flanks. He teaches people in parables. God is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He does not give up on his mission to bring his rule and reign to fruition. I think it's helpful, brothers and sisters in Christ, to keep a few things in mind when Jesus is teaching in parables. 
The first is this, that particularly in Matthew, they are to teach in a simple way what God in Christ is doing in the world. They are about God's reign. They are about Jesus' redemption of all and the recreation of the entirety of God's good creation that has been touched by sin and that suffers death. So that's to say that the main actor in the parables is always Jesus. Another way to say it is that the parables are the work of uh, the work of the Word, and the Word is Jesus. And so, when we come to this parable, the parable of the sower is about who? Jesus. Who's the sower? Jesus. Thank you. The second thing is that when when Jesus is preaching in in parables, we see people's reactions to the message of the kingdom of God framed in parables. They either hide or they reveal uh, to those who hear them. Right? They either, they either open up people's hearts and minds to, to uh, uh, receive and believe what God is doing on Christ or they close off hearts. See, here's the mystery of the kingdom of God. Those who hear and understand the Lord by his word and by his spirit works repentance and faith in them. For those who hear and don't understand, there is a hardening of hearts to reject God's gracious reign in Christ. These are the two responses. But I tell you the truth, the telling of these parables, they are to reveal the character of God in Christ. That he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. He isn't cherry-picking where he's going to put the seed. He throws it everywhere because Christ Jesus comes for all. Some might argue that and suggest that Jesus, well, he's using these parables really just to confuse people. Some, some have said that Jesus is being cryptic because he doesn't really want all to come to repentance and faith to him. That's baloney. Consider this. Jesus could have stopped as soon as opposition started. He could have kept the seed and not sown any of it at all. He could have given it just to select few people. But that's not the character or the nature of God. He keeps preaching and teaching so that others may repent and believe in him. And it's curious too, brothers and sisters in Christ, that, that his preaching concerning the kingdom looks like an absolute failure to the world around him. His whole ministry seemed to be a failure. And the religious leaders seem to be in the right as they're the ones who succeeded in having Jesus silenced on the cross. Well, at least so they thought. But see, this is God's way. The reign of God in Christ comes in weakness and in humility, in ways that can be rejected or cast aside by others. Consider the king himself, born surrounding scandal, born in a manger, the son of a carpenter. He is rejected by all sorts of people, and then he ends up hanging as a criminal on a Roman cross. Jesus comes in weakness and in humility, able to be rejected 
and in some ways that men are ashamed of. But we're not ashamed of the gospel. For this is the good news of Christ, who has come to suffer and die to seek out the lost in his creation and bring salvation for all who believe. Now, it's, it's kind of nice. Jesus doesn't always do this in his parables, but in this particular one, the disciples who are in the boat, they hear the explanation for the parable. That means we are also included in the boat, the holy ark of the Christian church. We are his disciples. We are also led into the explanation of what this parable is about. Anyone who hears the, kingdom, the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, meaning who does not believe it, accept it, trust in what is being proclaimed about Christ, well, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for that was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, and yet has no, uh, no root in himself, endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arise on account of the word, namely when people are hating others because of their identity as Christians, immediately they fall away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. But for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who believes it, who trusts it to be true, who by the power of the Spirit lives their lives according to it. He indeed bears fruit and yields. In one case, a hundredfold, in another, sixty, in another, thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Well, here's how this kind of might play out today, right? You can imagine a child who's been told about Jesus, his life, death, resurrection, his return and glory, all of the stuff encompassing the rule and reign of God in Christ Jesus. And yet, the child doesn't get it. There's no connection. It's as if someone or someone is preventing him from hearing and believing and there's no repentance or faith in Christ. That could happen. A person who attends something like, oh, I don't know, Promise Keepers, or Women of Faith, or some other church-related evangelistic tent revival meeting, they respond with faith. They turn their lives enthusiastically over to God, and yet a year later, after some hard luck and some tough questions from their friends, they abandon the commitment that they had made and faith in Christ withers away. Well, that happens. And then those who come to church on Sunday morning, they hear about the life, death, the resurrection, the return of Jesus and glory, but later they conclude that the church is just asking for too much money and services on Sunday morning interfere with their playtime and they stop showing up, they stop hearing God's word, repentance and faith in Christ are choked out. That happens too, doesn't it? But then there are those who hear the word of God. The rule and reign of God in Christ Jesus, the king who suffers to save his creation from sin and death, and they live in faith to God and love for their neighbor by the power of the Holy Spirit, and they bear fruit. 
that happens too. Thanks be to God. The Lord spoke in parables. How might that apply to us today? How does God's word, how is God's word meant to come to bear in our lives today in hearing this parable? I'll give you a couple points. The word of God is still sown and still does what God sends it out to do. Repentance and faith in Christ are proclaimed to all and for all. And it still either brings people to repentance and faith or the hearing of the word hardens their hearts. Through the seemingly lowly forms of preaching and the sacraments, the Lord is bringing people into his kingdom. Through baptism, the Lord graciously brought you and me the baptized under his rule and reign. When pastors are called to serve in congregations, the Lord is graciously sending laborers into the harvest field to announce the reign of God in Christ. Wherever the seeds of the gospel are, are publicly sown and the sacraments properly administered, God in Christ Jesus is at work. The seed is being sown. Wherever you are in your vocation, and wherever you confess that Jesus is king, God is at work. For I tell you the truth, without the sowing of the seed, there would be no good fruits at all in earth. Only the savage birds of hell, shallow soil, and thorns and thistles that choke off all life. But thanks be to God that Jesus has come and he still comes to us today to graciously sow the word so that we would hear it, that we would understand it, that we would repent of our sin and look in faith to Christ for our forgiveness and so then live under Christ in his kingdom here and now and look forward to the fullness at his coming again in glory. The second, brothers and sisters in Christ, is a, a fact that while God's word is still sown, it may be rejected. By word of encouragement to you. This means that though your pastors may faithfully be sowers of God's word, it might mean that your church's ministries might not grow. Why? Well, because part of sowing and announcing the kingdom of God has to do with both law and gospel. Faithfully proclaiming both, well, it's not always popular. It's not popular to be told to repent of your sin and to trust in Jesus for your forgiveness. It's not popular to be told that gossip is sin and it destroys Christian fellowship. It's not popular to be told that God has something to say about your finances. It's not popular to say that God is ultimately God and his plan for you most certainly is not what you would naturally choose for yourself. See, Jesus doesn't bully you to believe. No, he is gracious and merciful. He is slow to anger. He is abounding in steadfast love. But he is not going to beat you over the head. The proclamation of his kingdom might be rejected. those who sow the seed might be rejected as well. It means that when you speak in your vocations, people might reject you. 
They might reject your message when you confess that God has something to say in our day and age, something to say about our lives. Like when your grown kid comes to you and announces that they're going to move in with their boyfriend or their girlfriend because it's financially uh, better, it'll save us money. Well, when you tell your child in love that the Lord has something to say about that, they may reject you, ultimately rejecting God's word. Whether privately, according to your own vocations, or, or publicly, by your pastors, God's word still must be spoken out of love, even for those who might reject it. Ours is to sow according to our vocations, publicly or privately, trusting that God's word is going to accomplish that which it is sent forth for, as we read in Isaiah 55. Because God only knows that in the sowing of the seed and the proclaiming of God's word, he may find good soil and bring about repentance and faith in him. The third thing I think that we should walk away with today is that we as God's people, we the disciples who are in the boat with Jesus, as it were, we're to live with wisdom, God's wisdom, and being vigilant in our discernment. For in this parable, the enemies of God's word are exposed. The devil is active, and he doesn't want you to hear or to understand or to believe God's word, and he will do whatever he can to snatch up the seed before you can even hear it. The world would have you more concerned with the latest and the greatest, focusing on all the things of the world and not trusting in some outdated teaching that would be seemingly irrelevant to all the flashiness of the world around us. So we have the devil, we have the world, and then we have even our own selves, our natural selves, for we are our own worst enemies. None of us would by nature admit that we are wrong or that someone else is king of and lord of all. So we are to see the enemies and call them out as they are and confess them and cling to the cross of Christ. But take heart and be comforted and be encouraged, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, in knowing that Jesus is bringing his word to bear in your lives today, here and now. For when we begin the divine service by confessing our sin before the Lord, before each other, we'll take heart. God's word, his seed, has found good soil. When we trust the words of forgiveness on account of Christ, we'll then take heart and be encouraged for God's word has found good soil. When we witness a baptism with simple water and God's word, the seed has found good soil and another child, another heir is born into the kingdom. Whenever we eat and drink the simple bread and wine combined with the word and believe the words that Jesus the king says, that these are given and shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins, the seed of God's word has found good soil in you. Take comfort and be encouraged. Christ is king. His kingdom, his rule, and his reign will be proclaimed. For the word of the Lord endures forever.
And the word of the Lord is at work in you. You and all who believe are the good soil that is bearing fruit as you are connected to Christ. A hundred, sixty, thirtyfold, as the word of God abides in you and you abide in him. Remain in Christ. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Amen. Now may the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.